I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. Now from John Carter, the true gospel and no fake news. Welcome back, my friends. We're talking today about the true gospel and no fake news. And today we're talking about some of the great truths of the gospel. And I'm inviting you to step outside of the comfortable box and to think for yourselves. I'm asking you to just be God's revolutionaries and say, I'm not going to be overawed by authority figures, whether it's the priest, whether it's the pastor, uh, whether it's the, the politician, but by the grace of God, I'm going to, to be a child of God and I'm going to think for myself outside the box. Now, the first great truth we noticed in the first segment of the program is this, that man was made in the very image of God. Man and woman, they were made godlike creatures. They did not need a savior because they'd never sinned. That's the first truth. Our first parents did not need the gospel. But now here we come, truth number two. Here it is, number two. When man sinned, he became a lost soul. His nature became sinful and depraved and he needed a savior. Something happened deep inside man. The image of God was marred. Now, I've got some things here that I think are pretty, pretty neat. I picked up these coins when I was in Russia. I've been to Russia 49 times running big campaigns. And on these coins, some of them go back to 1843, some go back to 1893, and pretty old. But if you look really hard, you can see the face of the Tsar, the king of Russia. Have a look. You can see. And this one here, you have the double-headed eagle. You know what that represents in Russia? That's the union of church and state. Now, some people in America think church and state should be united. Well, that's what the Russians did. And that's why you had so many people put to death in Russia. But just as this coin is sort of marred, you can still see the image of the Tsar, but it's defaced and it's marred. And so in humanity today, you can still see the image of God. Sometimes you got to look real hard. But the image of God remains in man. But the Bible tells us that because of sin, the image of God is indistinct and marred. And when Adam sinned, we became a race of sinners. And that's why naturally we're all empty inside. That's why the great Roman Catholic theologian St. Augustine said, our souls were made for God and they cannot rest until they rest in him. There's something that is empty inside and we are born this way. I want you to come over here to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 and 14. This is a text that most people don't read and if they do read it, they don't understand it. 
And if they do understand it, they say, I'm not going to believe it. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, we need to let the word of God speak. Therefore, Paul says, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. The Bible tells me this, that when Adam sinned, uh, listen to this, we sinned in Adam. The Bible tells us that Adam represented the human race. If you look at verse 14, it says, uh, verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. What, what does that say? Who was a type of him who was to come. The Bible says that death came into the world like a tremendous flood and the world was deluged in sin. And the Bible says, listen to this, you just got to think outside the box. Just got to think. The Bible says, Adam to Moses, death reigned over those people who had not sinned in the same way that Adam sinned. How did Adam sin? It is a willful trans transgression. But the Bible says, death reigned over people who had not sinned as Adam sinned. For instance, little babies died. Why did the little babies die? Have you thought this through? It is because the human race, my friends, because we were in Adam, we were lost in Adam. It's like Adam was driving the motor car and we were sitting in the back seat. And when that motor car went off the freeway, we went off the freeway because we were in the back seat. You say, I was not in the back seat. I wasn't there. Oh, tell me, where were you? We were in Adam. The whole of the human race was in Adam. And the Bible tells me that we were lost in Adam. Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Would you look at this, please? For people saying, look, I, I don't want to, I can't believe this. Oh, my friend, you got to think outside the box and you got to think honestly. Look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, who, who's this? Adam. As by one man's disobedience, what does it say? Many were made sinners. No, 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 somebody says. We're not made sinners because of Adam. Hey, hey, hey. Are you going to believe the Bible or are you going to believe your own reasoning? The Bible says, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. When Adam sinned, the world was deluged into darkness and into death. That's why David said, I was born in sin and in sin did my mother conceive me. He's not talking about being born out of wedlock. He's saying, I am born in a state of corruption and because I am born in a state of corruption, I do not need a swimming lesson. I need a saviour. I need somebody who's going to come down and save me. 
I want you to come over now to Romans chapter 3. I urge you to read, a, read the book of Romans. You say, it's difficult. Well, that's another reason to read it. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says, for all have sinned, that's the past tense, past tense, and fall short of the glory of God. Can you, can you hear what I'm saying today? The Bible says, all have sinned, that is the past tense, and the Bible says, I am falling short of the glory of God. So I try to jump my way to heaven. I try to get across this abyss. But the Bible says, I fall short of the glory of God. That's why I don't need a swimming lesson. I don't need so much a teacher. I don't need so much an example. I need a saviour. It's so important to let the word of God speak and to put aside our preconceived ideas. When I was in Australia, I was the pastor of a beautiful church in South New South Wales. Outside the town of Albury, there was a wonderful family, Mr. and Mrs. Muller. And he said to me when I went out there to study the word of God with him, he said, Pastor Carter, I am a bigoted Lutheran. Oh, I thought, I wonder what sort of Lutheran that is. He said, I am quite bigotted. Now, I'd heard of different types of Lutherans, but he said, I'm a bigotted one. <laughs> you know what he was saying? He's an old German. I'm bigoted. He said, I'm a bigoted Lutheran. Well, I said, my friend, join the club. I can take you to places where there are bigotted Catholics and bigotted Methodists and bigotted Adventists. And in America, I would say bigotted Republicans and bigotted Democrats and some bigotted Independents. <laughs> We've got to ask God to help us here. Many of us are bigoted and pride keeps us so. That is why we need the Spirit of God for a revelation. I've seen people sit in the pews of churches and steal themselves when they hear the subject. They go, no, 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 no. What is it? No. What is the text? No. These are people who have been going to church for 50 years. I got it. Look at John chapter 3 and verse 3. This tells you what we need. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Before you can start to understand the scriptures and the word of God, you've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit. So when you read the word of God, you can't understand it. It's gobbledygook, you can't understand it. You need grace. Now here's a quote from one of the most prolific Christian writers of our modern times. Ellen White said this, now listen to this. I find that most folks take what they want, leave what they want, but let's listen to this, please. She said this, the religious services, the prayers, the praise, the penitent confessions. Oh, the penitent, I'm really sorry. The penitent confession of sin, a sin from true believers, the saints. As incense to the heavenly sanctuary. Hey, this is going to be pretty good. But passing through the corrupt 
channels of humanity. They are so defiled. Hey, people tell me the saints are perfect. They're so defiled that unless purified by blood, they can never be of value with God. The prayers of the saints, their penitent, even their confessions. They ascend not in spotless purity and unless the intercessor who is at God's right hand presents and purifies all by his righteousness, it is not acceptable to God. You say, oh, this, this is okay about the pagans. This is okay about the bad people. This is talking about the really good people. You know what the worst sin is? Self-righteousness. And most of us who go to church have got it up to here. So the Bible tells us, I need a savior. I don't need good advice. I need good news. Next great truth is this. This is almost can't ask you to believe this. The creator God became a man to save us. True Christianity is different to every other religion. In the Muslim religion, Allah is remote and distant. But in the Bible, God becomes a man. Who would have thought of this? He doesn't just stand on the river bank and throw us a rope. He gets into the river. Imagine the president of the United States. Okay, visualize it. He goes over to Africa, the Congo. He finds a poor village where they've got Ebola. He lives with the people and finally is infected with the Ebola virus and he dies. You say, impossible. Well, that's what God did. That's what God did. Say, no, 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 yes. Or maybe Mr. Putin, the world's wealthiest person. wonder where he got his money from. He leaves the gilded halls of the Kremlin, where I've been. He goes to a village in northern Siberia. I know Siberia like the back of my hand. He finds a cold, hungry, dark village contaminated with nuclear waste. I've been to those places. He lives with the poorest of the poor. He finally becomes sick with radiation poisoning and he dies. That's what Jesus did. You know what it's called? It's called grace. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says this. Look at the text. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. This is the Logos. Verse 14 and verse 16. Verse 14 and verse 16, and the word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of his fullness we've all received, and grace for grace. It's almost impossible to believe it. God becomes a man. Who would believe this? I've been in places where the power was 11,000 volts. You know what you got to do? You got to get a good transformer, a step-down transformer, 
so you can take the 11,000 volts and bring it down to 110, 120, so you can use it. When God came to this earth, he had so much energy and so much power, he said, this will kill them all. So Jesus became the step-down transformer. And he came in a form that we could tolerate and that we could accept. You know what it's called? It's called love. It's called grace. There are two great truths that you and I need to learn, but probably some of us will never learn it because we've got religion, but we haven't got God. Number one, man is far worse than he ever feared to think. Number two, God is far better than he ever dared to hope. And the second is the gospel. Look at Hebrews 2, verse 17 and 7:26. Hebrews 2, 17 for a start. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation, atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people. And so he becomes a, not a make-believe man, but he becomes a man of flesh and blood. He is born uh, in the ordinary way. He's born with crying and probably with some blood. And who is this baby? He is the Logos. He is Yahweh Elohim El Shaddai. So you see, you need a revelation to see this. If we saw this, we would realize that God is far bigger than we are and far better than we deserve. And you can show, you can tell whether a person has accepted this or not by how he treats people. If he's harsh and he's hard and he's legalistic and if, in the words of Shakespeare, he demands his pound of flesh, then he is a lost soul. Even though he sits up the front of church every Sabbath, every Lord's Day. <laughs> That's the truth. Now look at the next verse, Hebrews 7, 26. For such a high priest was fitting for us who was holy, harmless, undefiled. Now look at these words. Most of people don't read this. Most people don't read their Bibles. They say it's too hard, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. He was made like us in every way with one vital distinction. No sin. Had no evil in him. No propensities to evil. The theologians use the word propensities. My son said to me, don't use it because people don't understand it. It simply means tendencies to evil. People say, well, who's got tendencies to evil? You have. I have. People say, no, I haven't. Well, you are deluded and deceived. And if you think that you've got no tendencies to sin and that you're not sinless, let me talk to your family members. Hmm? Let me talk to them. I've met a man once, I was in Minneapolis to take some meetings and he stood outside and he said, I want everyone to know I'm sinless. 
I said, can I meet your wife? I mean, this is a sick delusion. One great author said, the closer we come to Christ, the more sinful we'll appear in our own eyes. You know. The only people who are self-righteous are the people who know nothing of God's righteousness. And he came on a mission. This God-man, this Logos, this Yahweh Elohim, he came on a mission. And he came on a mission which was an amazing mission. And this is where, I guess, Robert Carter, the descendant of John Carter, got it from. Luke chapter 4, 16 to 19. Luke chapter 4, 16 to 19. Dear hearts and gentle people, and I don't apologize for using a lot of texts. If you want to avoid the mark of the beast, then start to think outside the box and read your Bible. Don't be brainwashed. Verse 16 and onwards. So he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Had a good custom. He went to church. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he'd opened the book, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Now he tells us why he came. Just look at it. To preach good news to the poor. Well, I'm poor. Poor in spirit. I need good news. To heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. Every person outside of Christ is a slave. Recovery of sight to the blind. Without God, we are blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So I say to you, listen, if you feel poor in your soul, Christ is for you. If you are brokenhearted, Christ is for you. If you are a captive to sin, drugs, Christ is for you. If you are blind spiritually and physically, if you are oppressed, then Christ is for you. That's why he came. Say, so, well, we had a lot to do with it. No, we had nothing to do with this. He did this before we were born. And he made all this possible by his death for our sins on the cross. John 3, 14 to 17 says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. It says shall not perish. 
It's not hard to believe, you know. A little child can believe. An old man can believe. A rich person can believe. A poor person can believe. A living person can believe. A dying person can believe. Not a dead person, but a dying person. I had the privilege of going some years ago. I just came back from Manila. Some years ago I went on death row in Manila and baptized young men who had been sentenced to death. I didn't tell them they needed us a swimming lesson. I told them they needed a saviour. And I baptized them. The blacks, many years ago, wrote the words of this hymn. It became famous. Famous uh, particularly with Martin Luther King. This was written by John Wesley Work. Many of those poor slaves took the name of John Wesley. Free at last, free at last, I thank God I'm free at last. Free at last, free at last, I thank God I'm free at last. Way down yonder in the graveyard walk, I thank God I'm free at last. Me and my Jesus going to meet and talk, I thank God I'm free at last. On my knees when the light passed by, I thank God I'm free at last. Thought my soul would rise and fly. I thank God I'm free at last. Some of these mornings bright and fair. I thank God I'm free at last. Going to meet King Jesus in the air. I thank God I'm free at last. That is the message of the gospel. Next time I'm going to talk to you about the true gospel, the Jesuits and the grace of God, I say to you today, I thank God. I'm free at last. Amen and amen. Time. It takes only a minute to have eternal life. How can you get saved in a minute? It's simple. First, believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Second, accept his free gift of eternal life, and then you're saved. It's not hard, it doesn't take any time. You can be saved in a minute right now. Pray with me. Lord God, I realize that I am a sinner. My sin has separated me from you. I accept that your son Jesus Christ died for me. I ask Jesus into my heart. If you prayed this prayer, you are saved. The next thing to do is tell someone Fellowship with other followers of Jesus. Get baptized. Read your Bible and pray. Choices. We make them every day, all day. The most important choice you will make in your life is whether to choose eternal life or let it pass you by. If you'd like more information about your new life, call the number and visit our website. Greater Manila is more than 20 million souls. Almost all these beautiful people are ignorant of the true gospel of Christ. Manila needs Jesus. 35 years ago, John Carter came to Manila. Pastor Carter is returning to Manila with an urgent assignment. Preach the gospel of Christ and the great truths of the Bible. Don't water down the message. 
Make it plain, make it clear, make it Christ-centered. The Carter Report needs your help now to light a fire in the Philippines. Your gift will help open the doors of bondage, smash the chains of sin, and open the gates of paradise to thousands of lost souls. The churches have sent out an urgent plea for the Carter Report to return. Help us proclaim the true gospel of Christ to the beautiful Filipino people. Please send your support to the address on the screen, visit our website, or call the Carter Report. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.